Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and you and our entire crew with OutKick here alongside... Chad Withrow and Paul Kaharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. And coming up, Armando Salguero will join us. That's in 20 minutes. I feel good about our crew, by the way. Yes. we got a good crew now. we got a solid team Well, normally, place. you know. I, we got I, a solid group in the studio with us, so much so that our interns don't have a seat anymore. That's how many people we have in the studio right now, is that Adam, our, our intern today, oh, is like standing in a corner. No, he's got a stool. He's leaning like. against. They've got seats stool. now because they've he's got offices. The Chad have, wants one more person have, in here. We uh, have headquarters in town. Chad wants one more person in here, Adam, so that you'll be seated. You know, I, I told <laughs> I told Fox I'm really not happy unless someone doesn't have a seat. Uh, I want so many people in our studio. Get out there and sit at the bar on this man. show that I want someone standing the whole time. Well, Adam's. Probably you guys know used I'm not to, comfortable uh, unless someone is being forced to stand in the corner. For the entirety of the show. That's well, not like me. I'm not comfortable unless someone's uncomfortable. Offices now barely have seats. They're, you know, like Google and stuff. They don't have chairs. Bean they bean have bag bean chairs. bags and sleeping bags. You know, I thought about sleeping what chambers. would standing for all three hours of our show do for our energy level? Maca doesn't seem to hurt Maca. Would it up it? And I laugh every time we pass McAfee at the Super Bowl with him standing. The whole time, would it up our energy level or bring it down? It wouldn't up my energy level. Though I, 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 think, I, I get in the <laughs> habit of standing more between segments, but I haven't done it today. I think it would help me a lot. I think it would also look very awkward if I was standing uh, next to you guys seated. McAfee looks like a lawyer have to talking be a to a jury. Friend. At the Super Bowl, he had four guys in the seats all the time. He looked yeah. like a, a lawyer with a mini jury, a practice jury. Well, it's also a power play. Yeah. I mean, this is like Derek Dooley ra- uh, raising his desk where he's above everyone like a king talking to his fiefdom. That, that's what it is when you stand. I, I get uncomfortable when someone stands and I'm seated and they're talking down at me. It forces me to want to stand and be at their level. So imagine hosting a show where you're talking down, literally down to three or four people the entire time. Could be it's fun. a real powerful feeling. It could be fun for a while. Then, then I'd like to take a load off. Um. Well, that's what we're going to be doing with Major League Baseball. Yeah. Taking off. Listen, look at that segment. Taking off. Um, so they, they're not getting anything done this week for reports. $10,000 they gave up in minimum yeah, salary yesterday, the major, major league side of it. Wow. Yeah, they're, fly, they're Talk flying about incremental. another. The, what this is is Major League Baseball against Scott Boris is what this is. Because if you go and look up these guys who are representing the MLBPA or current players, they're all represented by Scott Boris. How about this? And, and that, and it's a stare down between MLB and Scott Boris, with everyone else representing Boris. The Associated Press had a real fail yesterday in a tweet headline. Did you see this? Was it Garrett yeah. Cole? Was the, the newcomer? I think it was Garrett Cole. I don't know who they were talking about, but they said one of the players shows up in a Porsche to negotiations. Blah blah blah. Pointing out, like, uh, th- this plays into Chad's thing. Oh, look at the rich player showing up in a Porsche. Some of these owners take helicopters to their games. 
And they're making the player look bad like he's showing up. at a, What is he supposed to be driving? Like, he's a rich player. Are we surprised that he has a Porsche? But, Paul, it's not just about the owner, the individual owner or owners. A lot of these teams have ownership groups like the Braves, which is owned by Liberty Media, which is a bunch of people. Um, it's not owner versus player. It's owner that employs a ton of other employees of the team that aren't getting paid as long as the players aren't paying. So then it becomes player versus organization, well, the owner, which includes the ushers that are making extra money to yeah, work the games sure. that aren't but happening. you know who's stopping that usher from getting paid? The owner who's locking out the players. But the right. owner if would the players argue, were on strike, you'd have a good argument. But the owner is arguing it's the players being unreasonable as multi-millionaires that's stopping us so from working. So we think it's news that wow. a player showed up in a Porsche? Let me, let me put in perspective this, this. We always hear in Major League Baseball, billionaire versus millionaires. That's in any sport. That's every sport when there's, a, there's one of these arguments. Maybe not hockey. Dispute. If you Labor made a disputes. dollar every yeah. second, every second you made a dollar, it would take you 11.6 days to become a millionaire. If you did that, it would take you uh, to become a billionaire 31.6 years if you made a dollar every second. Monumental That's the difference. gap between billionaire versus millionaire. So this anti-labor BS that this, you know, oh, well, this is just a bunch of billionaires versus millionaires. It is, but there's a huge difference. gap between those two. Yeah. And when you have the billionaires locking out the millionaires, they can afford to sit back and argue. Some and by the way, MLBPA normally gets their way with this by doing exactly what they're doing, which is negotiating at the table with these guys. That's the unfortunate truth, is they can both afford to sit back and kick back and watch this play out. Yeah, I, I, I Look, I'm not taking either side on this. I'm certainly not taking the owner's side either. I'm just simply stating it's rich on rich. And a lot of America that are baseball fans just don't care. They just want it to happen. They don't want to get into the minute details of what they're arguing over and what the issues are with the threshold for the luxury tax and for free agency availability and the windows and all of that. They just want baseball to happen, and this is preventing what does So what happens for Major League Baseball if this occurs, if we miss the start of the scheduled season? Is, is baseball – and, and so I, I could see I, – I see two sides of this. Either you get to a, a point where you admit, you know what, it's already a regional sport based on ratings – and ratings are very good in those locally. regions, locally. Um, so are you saying like maybe those regions and local packages take a hit? Or do you, or do you fall on the side of, you know what? Most of America's not paying attention to March 31st anyway. So if they back it up, they're doing themselves a favor until all the rest of the, you know, you, you get into the late spring, early summer before you, crank things up again. No, I think it hurts. I, I, I think it does because it, it's going to be back at the forefront of the headlines that yet again, here they go. And it's not just There's the lockout. There's a labor stoppage. It's not just the lockout. It, it was, there was not a lockout or a strike in 2020 when, when COVID was going on and they were trying to negotiate the restart and they pushed it all the way back to the very end of possible, possibly getting a season in on time. In order to get a playoff. In order to get the playoff going. Yeah, so um, I, I understand uh, the, the optics of that paired with this, I think, magnifies what they're about to yeah, go I into. I agree. The timing of the end of the labor contract was unfortunate coming two years after the yeah. COVID. The thing, the thing about the rating stuff, I, I don't think enough people wrap their head around it. If, if you add it up, the local rating for every team on a on a Wednesday night, 
stack them on top of each other, how many people are watching baseball that night, it's a damn good number. It's the number one rated thing in almost every market that baseball is being played. In two-thirds of the market, I would venture. So The Braves lead the television market in Atlanta every night they play? Right. And the Yankees and the, uh, 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 Wait, Yankees and the Mets are, are way up. I haven't heard up. that. I, I bet you it's close to it. Um. I don't know. I'll, I'll, we'll have to do some research. I mean, I'm on sure that. it's the most watched sport, you know, every night for sure. Sporting event. I don't know about overall ratings, but maybe. But if you stack that up around the country, the amount of people watching baseball on a given night is very high. The amount of people watching Braves isn't very high because it's it's Atlanta. Well, it's, it's, but it, the, the, what it goes back to is it's it's a fan of a specific team. team it's not, not the, the sport. It's not the average fan flipping on right. the game of the night or game of the week. But you can be perfectly healthy product functioning that way, and they can be a perfectly healthy product functioning that way. But you need a complete season. You, you don't need all this distraction. Well, and like you're talking about, nobody cares about the minutia. Fix it. Right. Also, I feel like this deadline's somewhat false. Uh, spring training can be overrated. These pitchers can be stretching themselves for sure. out on their pitch counts with their, for you know, sure. catcher privately, I, with their coach, you know, their non-team coach privately. Batters can be, they know what they're supposed to be doing this far out from the start of the regular season. They don't need to be playing X number of minor league games to be ready. Everybody knows what their body's supposed to be prepared for at the, at the beginning of March, you can still do it and still be ready for April 1st or whatever the start of baseball season is. There's a false deadline to me. And the players and have I'm never sick acknowledged of false it. deadline. The only deadline set is by Major League Baseball. The players have never acknowledged this week as being the deadline. So, 94 was the last time, the, the time we lost a World Series in playoffs, right? 28 right. years Consider ago. Consider the Yankees. That, was, that, that was 1994. The Braves won the next year in 1995. I remember that because the Montreal Expos were going to win the NL East that year uh, and not the Braves. Um, so it's been 28 years since that happened. There are still people who swear that baseball has not been the same for them. I don't think they've I've got a friend who swore it. off on that. Yeah, that, 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 uh, well, we've got a friend we worked with. Kirby said that. He hadn't watched baseball since 94 when they, when they threw away the World Series and didn't have it. There are people who said it affected their fandom from that point on. There's two different outcomes here. There's really three. One is they get it done by Monday. They start on time. No problem. Two is the season's delayed, but it starts at some point. We have playoffs. We have a World Series. We have a shortened season. Three is there's no season at all. If there's no season at all, they never fully recover. They recover. Baseball's not going to die. Team, the Major League Baseball will continue next year or whenever it happens. But if they were to miss an entire season, with our nation's attention span being so short right now, they never fully recover to their heights. I think it will always have a damaging impact yeah. on the sport well, if that happens. But I, I kind of, I mean, I just don't believe it gets to that, right? I would hope not. I mean, I, I don't, to me, the, the discussion of not having a season is not even topical in February. Like, the, the, I mean, they, they would do everything possible to get in and, and not miss the playoff run. Whatever, that's the real deadline. Like whatever, a couple months here, you know, they're they're threatening like, oh, you know, Monday's the deadline. Deadlines are deadlines, and you know, if we miss the start of the season, we're we're not going to pay those game rates for these players. Yeah, and you're you know, losing a percentage of your salary the way you did in the COVID in the COVID yeah, but, year. Uh, but, uh, but the COVID year, the thing was they weren't making any gate money. Gate money in baseball is 
is an important thing when like, you have so that they many miss games. salaries, but then the players, I mean, if you're negotiating on behalf of the players, I'm saying, yeah, you sit out a couple game checks. Uh, we're going to make that up on minimum salaries moving forward. Total, yeah, right. right? Like, it's worth it. To to the to the sport and to the game of the younger players coming in like that that's my spin on it that I, I'm willing to sit out for that especially with the guys who are there representing and I realize it's always about the money they don't want to miss on any check but the guys that you are, have them you know the pitchers and and some of the, the the best players in the game are are there in what Miami yeah meeting in the they're not hurting for this I mean no, to, to the reporters the good of the game to the reporters point they're there pulling up in Porsches. <laughs> They don't have that thing. Uh, they're not trying to trade in their, their Porsche. If they no, are, they're getting a new one. And they've been yeah. more willing traditionally to take a hit for the long-term health of the game from the player's side of it. It's also what's good for them. I mean, well, of course. Like, I, look, I think some of what they're saying is good for the game. You keep saying that you're not on owner's side, but a lot of things well, you playing, say is I'm on I'm playing devil's side. advocate, Paul, because you are so pro players. I'm telling you when you say, oh, they're willing to do what's good for the game. They're not willing to do what's good for the game if it means taking a pay well, cut. Did, did your guy Tom Glavin do what's what good if, for what the game? What if the owners came back and said, you know, we took a big hit with COVID financially, and we lost a ton of money. We need you guys to take a, a 25% pay cut moving forward. Are they doing that? If that's good for the game? Is good for the health of Major League Baseball? Hell no. They're not doing that. Your guy Tom Glavin was a big union guy. They're both he doing took, what is best for them. He took a big hit in public perception of him for why? Because, because he, he thought signed, he was helping the game. He signed with the highest bidder, no matter what. After he endured labor strife, which got him branded as a bad guy to a but lot of people. But it's convenient that what's good for the game is also the most possible money for the players in their mind. Sure. Tom Glavin, what's good for the game? Oh, I'm going to take go to the highest bidder no matter what. There's no personal choice involved. you got to go to the highest bidder, so I go to the Mets. How is that good for the game? It's good for the players. I mean, I'm just saying I don't think there's this altruistic view from the players of, guys, we have to take this sacrifice to do what's right for the game. They are advocating on their side, just like ownership's advocating for their side. I'm fine with that. All for their rights to do both is what I'm saying. I don't think either side ultimately wants what's best for the game. They will conveniently argue parts of their concessions or argument of what they're trying to get done is what's right and good for the game. But ultimately, it's about money. For both sides. Well, it's about money, but it's about how quickly you can earn that. So uh, aside from just this base salary, going through what's been reported on what the players are discussing this week and where they're getting no headway, um, you've got the, the minimum salary where they added the, the 10 grand, 10 grand, the, 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 the league added 10 grand. They added more earlier. In the yeah, league. they added about 125,000 before and they added 10,000 more to that. And the league, uh, the, the players want like, an additional thirty-five or forty-five thousand on top of this ten grand increase. They'll eventually meet in the middle on that. I mean, that to me, that's just bargaining. Uh, teams uh, have said the the league has said they're not going to decrease the revenue sharing. Um, and this goes to uh, my guess is the playoff format as well. If they expand the playoffs permanently, players want a bigger piece of the pie in the postseason revenue. And they are not going to add new methods for players to accrue service time because teams manipulate that accrued service time to keep them on rosters longer instead of becoming an accrued veteran to where your contract expires. That, that's a way that the, the league is manipulated. The teams manipulate contracts to keep you with your team for an extra year, and they're also negotiating that aspect of it. So 
it's more than just give me another million dollars. Yeah, and look, Paul, I'll give you an example of where I'm for the players on this. A couple things that would help the players and help baseball. Raising the threshold for luxury tax helps competition across the board. If more smaller market teams are willing to spend up to that luxury tax, which we don't know that they would, um, they should get a bigger piece of the playoff pie. Mm-hmm. If they're going to add playoff games, I, I'm all for that. I love that they're at least conceding they're raising the the minimum you know wage of, of Major League Baseball players. I'm all for the players getting those things. I think when you add on top of that, you know, a bigger piece of the overall pie, or you know, shrinking the revenue sharing in the league, that's a money grab. They're entitled to try for a money grab, but it's a money grab. I don't know that I'm willing to give that up if I'm Major League Baseball. I hope the owners give up the first two or three things I said. That's how you get done with this, hopefully, quick. Well, but if you're not willing to give that up if you're Major League Baseball, the players aren't willing to give up what they had whenever the, 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 the league locked them out. So you, they're going to have to give up something to get yep. them to agree to reduce whatever the, the league needs them to reduce for the reason of a lockout to begin with because it wasn't financially feasible for the league. Yep. And... That's why they're going to go through this entire week, and Major League Baseball is going to puff its, puff its chest and say, oh, here's a deadline, and then, Paul, I'm, I'm with you. They'll, pitchers deadlines should throw 10 more pitches next week than they threw this week during their bullpens or whatever they would have done at spring training. I don't buy that they can't start the season on time just because they're not together on Monday. The biggest thing it holds back is you know, the, the discussion we had yesterday about Freddie Freeman and other players and player movement. You know, that's all on hold. Yes, that's the biggest. Now you need uh, you need you're going to need There's ten gonna days. There's going to be a lot of news. Quickly you're going to need ten days when to get that done. done. That's like your Favre thing. I mean, we'll have a ten day hot stove when this thing comes to an end. Whenever it's it be is, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be quick. For baseball news hound. Armando Salguero bringing the news from the NFL perspective. Great piece at Outkick uh, from Armando about the quarterback movement we could be seeing uh, across the NFL. We'll get into that and much more straight. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Fall Guy, only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Ahead on Outkick 360. One of our favorite visits of the week is here. From Outkick.com, this is Outkick 360. And Armando Salguero is with Outkick as well, covering the NFL for the site. Armando, hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, Jonathan. Before you even start, I just want to congratulate you on a great, great job covering the USFL draft (laughs) a couple of days ago. I was highly impressed, and my opinion of you has changed completely. Oh, wow. Wow, that's big. Wow. (laughs) An opinion changer was that trip to Birmingham. It was that interview with Todd Haley that really put me over with you, huh? You you loved that. No, you were great, man. Seriously, you were outstanding. And I appreciate it. We need to all meet in Birmingham for a, a Saturday doubleheader and just, you know, it's very great setup there. You've got the bar right there. We're going to have a setup there uh, this spring. You grab, you know, a beer off tap. You can watch the game, do a live stream. We talk some ball. I mean, opportunities are endless, Armando. Here we go. We got the spring league going. 
So, Armando, yeah. that, that uh, trip to Birmingham changed your opinion of Hutton. Did the real sports interview <laughs> with Brian Flores and his attorneys change your opinion at all on what he's alleging went down in Miami? No. And it did color my opinion of Brian Flores' attorneys because those guys, I, I don't understand what they're thinking. First of all, it has been my experience through many years of covering sports that when lawyers get involved in any matter, the first thing that they do is they ask their clients to shut up, right? Yes. Because everything that they say going forward can and will be used against them. But Brian Flores' lawyers are going the exact opposite direction. They're putting him out there every chance he gets. And curiously, they're putting themselves out there every chance they get. I wonder if that's because they want to get some publicity. I don't know. But regardless of their desire to be on camera, when Brian Flores tells Brian Gumbel basically that Stephen Ross asked him personally to sign a non-disclosure agreement, I mean, that is on tape. That is part of the excerpts that HBO put out. And the Dolphins release a statement saying, this is ridiculous. Stephen Ross never asked Brian Flores to sign an NDA agreement personally. He just, that's not what he does. This is an outright fabrication. Dolphins words. Well, Brian Flores' attorneys come back and, and argue they absolutely asked him to sign an NDA. Well, yeah, they absolutely asked him to sign an NDA, but Stephen Ross didn't do that. Stephen Ross wasn't in the room leaning over Brian Flores, pounding the table going, sign this NDA or you're not going to get your millions of dollars for the next two years that you're under contract. It made it look like the Brian Flores side was was small, to be honest with you, and not really understanding what was at issue. So I watched the entire interview, Armando, and there are three real head scratchers for me, going back to your point about his legal representation and some things that just don't quite add up. One was their insistence that they had to file the suit on the start of Black History Month, um, costing him a chance to become a head coach. They said it was more important for, uh, to be symbolic in filing of the start of Black History Month. That's odd legal advice from a lawyer to me when you're talking about getting, getting attention. Two, they talked about Loretta Lynch, former attorney general under President Obama, being hired by the NFL. And both Brian Flores and his attorney said, we really hope that she's in this to do what's right and basically to side with us and fix the issue. And I'm thinking... She's paid by the NFL. They, they said, I don't really want her asking a lot of questions and fighting for the NFL in this. I just want her to turn around and tell them that they're wrong and what to do. That was odd. And three, you've got Brian Flores alleging that there's racial discrimination involved and that the league needs to hire more minority coaches. Yet when given the opportunity to hire his attorneys, 
he hired white guys when he did so because he thought those were the best attorneys available for this case. Those three things, if I'm, again, I'm not a lawyer, Armando, but if I'm on the other side of this trial, I'm bringing all three up if you're going against Brian Flores. Right. So the part about uh, General Lynch, uh, that is kind of not understanding what is the lay of the land. And this is the lay of the land, lawyers of Brian Flores. You're representing Brian Flores, and I assume he's paying you a lot of money. She's representing the NFL, and I know that they're paying her a lot of money. If your thinking is that she is going to somehow make some stand on your behalf and thereby, uh, you know, breaking her fiduciary duties to her client, you don't have a grasp of reality at all. So that's number one. Number two, you know, the Brian Flores hiring practices, that's not new. I, I did a, a, a column on OutKick that looked at who he hired as a head coach with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and to me, if you are a coach that wants more minorities, and specifically, let's, let's call it what it is. He wants more uh, African-Americans in the NFL coaching ranks. Well, he hired Caucasians, white people, at a, like four to one for his own staff. And those are actual coaches. And when he needed to promote, when he had openings at offensive coordinator, for example, so he hired four offensive coordinators in his time, in his three years with the Dolphins. Three of them were white. One, Eric Studesville was black and he was the co offensive coordinator. He, he, you know, it, it's like you, you kind of have to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk, in my opinion. Armando, the, the third piece of this is the league itself, the investigation, because look, I, I don't feel like we, we talk in circles with this each week because the allegations are serious if proven true. And we've talked at length with you and, and on the show about the, the accusations that he was asked to lose in exchange for money from the owner. And that's what the league, I think, would be internally investigating. And I wonder, too, like he was, Chad just mentioned, uh, the lawyer that's representing and doing the investigation for the NFL. I would be reaching out to Flores and his attorneys by saying, hey, you know, you keep talking, you keep answering questions on these interviews. Show us the documentation where you were offered this money because then we'll act on it. Because the league would have to act on that if there's proof that the owner offered him $100,000 to lose per game. Absolutely. And that's going to happen. In fact, that process has begun. And moreover, Brian Flores has said that he will cooperate. So it's a strange, it's a strange dynamic where Brian Flores is suing the league, but on the other hand is going to help the league in its investigation of 
Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, because obviously it's his allegation, right? Um, to me, and I think we've talked about this before, this entire uh, suit against the 32 NFL teams, the New York Giants, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos in particular, he's, I believe he's going to have a hard time proving his allegations of racial discrimination. But outside of that lawsuit, the allegations that he makes in his filing about the Dolphins and their integrity and their tanking, quote unquote, that's going to be decided outside a court of law. Definitely in the court of NFL investigation. And that's a whole different dynamic. There is no judge. There is no jury. The NFL is judge and jury. And so I think that's where we are bound to see some significant fallout from this entire legal matter. Question about uh, Flores' replacement in Miami, Mike McDaniels. Uh, gone back to a couple classic Dolphins defensive backs as assistant coaches on his staff. Sam Madison once picked off Steve McNair three times in a, in a game, shutting out the uh, Titans. And Sertan's uh, got, um, got a son playing very well uh, in the league right now. What do you make of, of going to the well for those two guys, guys who played very, very well for the Dolphins but may not have the most experience? As coaches. Right. They also hired Wes Welker, by the way, yep. who yep. also played for the Dolphins, and he's going to coach the wide receivers, Paul. Look, I, I like it. I think it's it's a good um, it's a good way to appease fans, number one. But moreover, I think you gain instant respect from the roster. And the reason I say that is players respect former players who accomplished. And so if you are a former player who was accomplished and definitely Patrick Sertan, Sam Madison, and Wes Welker are that, former pro, Bowl, pro bowlers, all of them, uh, they're going to have instant credibility when they walk into their respective rooms and start talking to their players. Obviously, there's, you know, 10 more steps that has to be taken after that. And so the players want their coaches to help them to become better and to perform and to put them in a situation to succeed. But the first step, that's a winner already for Mike McDaniel in the hiring of those three. Armando, uh, Eric Bieniemy is going to be back with the Chiefs as, as the offensive coordinator um it's february 24th and the the chiefs are just confirming this report what took so long and what was going on behind the scenes between the enemy and and andy reed yeah so i think familiar you know what's the saying familiarity sometimes breeds contempt um when you have people that are together that long Obviously, they understand each other's strengths and weaknesses, and they start to understand um, moments where there is disagreement. I think there was some disagreement at times between the enemy 
and Patrick Mahomes and even Andy Reid last year. And they had to get through that and they had to work through that. And so I think that took some time. I think they waited a little while after the AFC championship game to allow tempers to cool a little bit and also to see if Coach Bienemy had other better options and other better opportunities. Ultimately, they've decided that they're going to work through it. You know, what can I tell you? It's, it's worked fine so far. It's worked very well for all parties involved so far. But it's curious that it wasn't a slam dunk. You're absolutely back right after the season type of thing. Armando Salguero with us. You can read his work at Outkick.com, including uh, the column that he wrote about uh, the offseason NFL quarterback carousel that is about to get underway. Um, and this is not your typical veteran quarterback offseason. We've seen some movement recently, but normally if, you, if you're breaking it into tiers like you did in this piece, and I thought it, it was very well done in terms of how you did that, Normally, tier one may is one quarterback, maybe two, right in the tier one category. That's that's chock full of some some definite names that everyone would know. And then there, I mean, there's tier two, tier three, tier four. Uh, of all of the the mixing and matching that may happen and what we expect to happen, is there one quarterback that you feel like is the domino that kind of gets things rolling with all of this? Is there one scenario that you're most intrigued by? Well, clearly the the biggest domino is Aaron Rodgers, right? And he's eventually going to come up with a decision as to whether to stay with the Green Bay Packers, retire from the Green Bay Packers, or ask the Green Bay Packers very politely to move him. And the Green Bay Packers, I think we've talked about this before on the show, they have no agreement to with Rodgers that they would – you know, do that if he asks. So uh, that wasn't part, according to the Green Bay Packers themselves, that wasn't part of the whole shenanigans that went on last year. Having said that, if Aaron Rodgers retires or wants to go somewhere else, obviously we've got the somewhere else being all of a sudden really much better. And if he retires, or go somewhere else, the Green Bay Packers are looking around going, Jordan Love better be ready to roll. <laughs> and I'm not sure he is, to be honest with you, but he better be ready to roll. That's the big one. The one that's definitely going to happen, and th- which is makes it most interesting to me, is the Deshaun Watson. They're going to trade him. They're going to trade him come hell or high water. They're going to trade him regardless of depositions, regardless of whatever they need to do, because they can't have him on their books again this season, uh, you know, doing nothing and being an albatross over the neck of the entire franchise. That was a one-year, one-off situation. It's not sustainable. They have to move on, and they being the Houston Texans, have to move on from Deshaun Watson, and there will be no shortage of teams interested. I know I'll see you at the Combine next week, and it's er, uh, still a little bit early. 
do you have a sense of a, a, uh, a theme or a question about this class as we get ready to hend, head to Indianapolis and learn more about it? Paul, I, I don't want to be the grim reaper of the 2022 draft class, but who's the, who is the can't miss absolute awesome absolute gonna be in the we're gonna be discussing in the hall of fame selection committee room 20 years from now guy because i don't see that guy there is no for sure absolute stud that i can tell and you know this draft class reminds me a little bit of 2013 Look at the 2013 first round if you ever get a shot. It was a disaster. And I don't know. I'm sure that this draft class will have some good players in it in the first round. But absolute can't miss guys. Uh, you know, somebody's got to point that guy out to me. So it's so bizarre that it pairs up this year with that answer because this will be the most draft eligible players in the history of the draft. Because Still of the COVID year that everyone got eligible for with with college football, uh, if they so uh, choose to do that, and I would I would tell you Armando, uh, there is one player um, that fits that criteria. His name's Kayvon Thibodeau. He's already sized his jacket for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> I'm glad he did. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know Paul has a say in it. I'm not <laughs> sure Paul. I know I have a say in it. I don't think I have. Hey, uh, we're glad you have a say in it, and we're glad you're on the show. Appreciate you as always, and uh, keep up the great work. See you next week. All right. Thank you. There he is, Armando Salguero on the show. Coming up, uh, how sports ties in to the war that began in the Ukraine early this morning. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From 6th and Peabody, OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network and includes our great radio partners like Sports Radio 104.7 in the Upper Cumberland, Sumo Sports Radio in Missouri. We'll say hello to Joplin this afternoon. Also, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Great town of Florence, Alabama, Huntsville. Uh, I've tuned in on my drive to Fox Sports Shoals. I've, on my Love drive it. to Birmingham. Love it. Loved it. Great stations. And uh, you can join us each and every day on the YouTube channel, through Twitter, wherever you download your podcast. We're available. Just search out Outkick 360. So Vladimir Klitschko's brother, Vitaly, is a mayor in Ukraine. Kiev. In Kiev. Biggest city. And the capital. He, he has said, number one, he's not leaving. And in fact, he's willing to fight Russia as they invade. He's going to join the fighting forces. And of course, his brother's the former heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. He was a big time heavyweight. Big time, Chad? Yeah, bo- both were big time. I, I would argue if we know 
by the name that they were the heavyweight champion. They're pretty big time. Yeah. Yeah. You we don't right. know them I can't as, name anybody in the right. last 20 years. The right. Klitschko brothers we're is big. what you would know. But yes, this is a, a big time celebrity name. And um, yeah, he's saying he believes in his country and he's going to take up arms uh, against Russia. The quote is, I will be fighting. Yeah, it's, it's very That's eerie. high profile. Uh, I don't know how much coverage you guys watched uh, this morning of what happened overnight. Uh, I watched quite a bit of it. It's an eerie feeling. You know, to know that we, we, we've seen this with Russia. I mean, it's happened, I think this is the fifth time, really, since the end of World War II that they've invaded another country or state. Um, but it's, it's eerie to watch. Well, the, and the, I also the air saw, raid um, sirens and stuff. Yeah, but just the, you know, there's, I'm watching reporters with, you know, smoke going off in the background where a bomb just went off. Um, I was also watching a, a former U.S. general and they had a map of the Ukraine, and it showed everywhere they've hit so far, and said, it looks like, at least in the beginning, they've strategically hit military bases or communications centers uh, to where they're trying to minimize civilian loss of life, which is different than invasions in the past uh, that we've seen. I saw the, the uh, Ukrainian Secretary of State say that there's been 57 deaths so far and 129 injuries with the invasion. So it's, it's a rough time. A couple other sports implications in the soccer world. St. Petersburg was scheduled to host the Champions League final May 28th. UEFA's called a meeting to do away with that. They'll wait to see who the potential finalists are before um, – Naming another city, London, a likely possibility it would be West Ham's stadium as uh, Tottenham and Wembley are both booked. So London Stadium. For something London else. London and I have been there for a, a, a soccer match when we were in London. Um, it's, the, it's the old Olympic Stadium from 2012. Yeah. There's a big sponsor. Gazprom is a, a big sponsor. They're on the uh, jersey of the German club Schalke. They're removing them. That's a state-owned energy company from Russia. They have a big sponsorship presence in the international soccer world. Schalke's taken them off. Schalke 04, I think. Um, they'll disappear from other places, I'm sure. And Poland is scheduled to go to Russia for a World Cup qualifier. They won't be going, nor will Sweden or the Czech Republic, who would play at Russia if Russia wins its game. So... Um, UEFA is going to have to figure out what to do there. Russia will probably play those games on the road if they remain eligible to what, play um, in those I, qualifiers. Maybe, um, maybe this is just an easy answer. I don't think it's easy. How would the Russian Federation of Olympic Athletes been treated had this invasion happened last week? It's a very uh, interesting question. I mean, I think... Well, how would they have been treated by China? Fine. No change. No, but the Russian, uh, the uh, International Olympic Committee, right? Like the could IOC, have sanctioned like you... them, disinvited them, maybe. Again, I, I mean, if it happens during the Olympics, no. If it happened before, yeah. If it happened during, they would, I mean, what? Would that's have my happened? point. Hunt asked what would happen if it was a week ago. Well, that's a week into the Olympics. Yeah. Nothing would have happened because they're already in China. No, I'm not they're... saying it's on them. I'm just, I'm curious, like how is the operations? It would have uh... been icy for sure, at the very least. Well, I'm giving you an answer. I don't think anything would have happened because China would have harbored them at that point, and they would have been fine. I think if it happened before the Olympics, there would have been international sanctions with the IOC possibly, where they said, we're not now allowing you know, 
they would issue whatever statement well, let me, saying. Let me yeah, but they China could harbor them all they want. The International Olympic Committee could have stopped them from participating at a certain point. Well, let me ask want. you this way. What would have happened if the Olympics were in Los Angeles and this took place that week? They would have been sent home. I think so. so or this, detained. This, this would have, uh, so by China harboring them, to me, that, that would include their country in all of the news coverage today. That, that is interesting on how you would handle just the Russian aspect of this. I think sent home. I mean, I guess China has the, the power to, to send them home or not. I don't know why they would have wanted to stay in China, but I think the International Olympic Committee likely would have done the same either way, under pressure from the U.S., England, France, yeah. everybody uh, to, to get them out. It's eerie, scary. Yeah, and uh, the statement from Putin was that they're invading because it's a denazification effort. Didn't know Ukrainian Ukraine was a Nazi state until Vladimir yeah. Putin put that out. That was the release from him. They are denazifying the Ukraine. Yeah, I hadn't heard much call for that. No, not much. Uh, not much except for don't do it, and he did it anyway. Yeah, gotta. Stop him. Well, now the, the, the big going. everyone's talking about sanctions. Watch the banks in Belgium. That is, that is the move. Apparently, if the European Union gets behind it, they can freeze all of the oil banks that Russia uses in Belgium. Sink that could actually affect them financially. Outkick three hundred and sixty rolls on from Nashville and across the Outkick Network.